Hi, my name is Michael Orr, and this is the Manchester School of Art Master Sessions. I'm going to introduce you to a very unique artist who is pushing the envelope in creative illustration. Her ideas are radical, erotic, and at times downright disturbing. Listen along to the thoughts of a very special Manchester artist. I guess my legal name is Georgina Riley, but nobody ever calls me that. I guess it's got a nice little ring to it. <laughs> my website is www.ginariley.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Gina underscore Riley. I post quite a lot of daily content and like little updates on there more than anything. portraits a lot. I was really interested in birds and nature. Did that evolve? Yeah, in a way, like, I guess some of my work's kind of shocking. Or like it's gone through phases of being really experimental or looking at themes of like the macabre. I did taxidermy for a little bit. Um, but looking back, it kind of makes sense. Like when I was a kid, I was always the one collecting dead flies in a jar. Or like, I had, what do you call them? I had a dragonfly for years that I'd caught and I just kept in a lunchbox. But then it just, it just dried out and turned to dust and I was devastated. Cause it was like the most beautiful thing I'd ever like collected. But I was always interested in like kind of darker stuff or I've always been a little bit different. <laughs> but it's never been negative light. Um, I don't really mind. It's just 
I've always been curious about things that most people avoid. When I was in school, I used to do these kind of hyper-realistic portraits of people. Um, so like, you know, when uh, you can get drawings of people that look like a photograph. I really wanted to achieve that kind of technical skill. I did experiment with materials, but I never made anything controversial. I'd rather someone hated my work or loved my work than was like, oh, that's nice. Whereas when I was younger, I was like, I was never hurt by it, but I was just on this. I just wanted to improve all the time. And then it got to a point where I'd really like to say something. It wasn't until later on where I like really pushed my mixed media things and which it was like this is seeing so much more. I like my stuff to be a little bit funny. I like my stuff to put people on edge. It says things in a metaphorical way, quite a big way. I use lots of like grotesque stuff from like I took pictures of meat. I took pictures of stuff from like the butchers. And I got like organs and photographed those and put them in for the collage. There's ups and downs to everyone's life and you can't hide from it. People only choose to like showcase or celebrate things that go well. Which is fine, but it's just it's just a really not well-rounded view of how life is, and it's not it's not even in a depressing kind of way. It's not I'm not trying to put people down or make people. I was going to say make people. I am trying to make people uncomfortable. You're but, not trying to trivialise it. No, no. It, but that's fine. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Life life is really uncomfortable. There's a lot of preconceptions about art and design in general, where it has to be all happy and bright and evoke nice things out of people, which you can do, and it's really good to do that. But I think that it can be a definite tool to reflect on things in the world and reflect on politics or war or trauma or things that we hide from. So this project is a yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't, I didn't see it going the way that it did. But after I'd finished that project and it was at my degree show, my mum kind of hung around my work just to see what people's reactions would be. It's like I invited my parents and I, like, I don't know if you're gonna like my work. Like That's it's not. Feedback. Yeah, or like it's not like pretty or anything. But they actually really, my mum really liked it. She like hung around just to see what people's reactions were. And they were really mixed, but it wasn't it wasn't particularly negative. It was just people reacting to it, which is what, what I wanted. And the next stage after that, I took part in an exhibition in Salford at the White Hotel called The Pink Room. It was with my partner at the time and bunch of friends that I just met in like I think it was about six months and kind of got into 
a lot of new practices and just like different scenes and like a queer scene and a BDSM scene. And it was kind of the driving force from my last project at the Warhol stuff. I really wanted to make some erotic work. This opportunity came up, the whole exhibition was about um, intimacy after the internet. So I made a series of illustrations just using porn from the internet. And they're, they're really, they are really explicit. They're on my website at the moment. But the whole thing really works, like the exhibition was, it's, it's in like a warehouse that's pretty like grimy. Like my stuff was kind of just slapped on the wall with a broken light above it. But it worked really well. And I don't know, the whole aesthetic of it was is kind of seedy, but kind of, it, it was really experimental. It's probably, I invited some of my friends to it and they were like, this is the weirdest like, exhibition. But you got loads of people talking about it. There were other artists there, there was textile artists. Jack Ross, he made work about um, like being in a gay subculture. Olivia Sparrow, she's a sex worker. She does, does like online dominatrix stuff. And they did a live cam session in one of the rooms. So that's an area that's growing <laughs> in popularity. Yeah. Isn't it? There's, yeah. There's, there's no denying it. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe, maybe people are just being more open about it. That was really interesting and I've never, I've never been to an art show that's explored that in such a upfront way. Yeah, so it was this live cam session of Mistress A, which is a pseudonym, doing this live dom session that was projected onto the wall. And like, they, they told the people involved, like whoever was online with them, that this was all an exhibition, there was about 40 people watching. <laughs> people really got off on it. But it was really, it's quite surreal. There was another performance artist called Ellen Moss, I think she's called. She was in one of the rooms. You go in the room, um, and then she's like lying naked away from you. But then there's a laptop that she's looking at, but you also see yourself in it. So you're kind of looking at yourself being a voyeur of her and her body. But she doesn't say anything or react in any way, and the whole thing is being recorded. That was pretty interesting. I think you can find that on her website, like the whole recording of people going in and reacting to that as a performance piece. Um, there were like music acts, um, some video installation. Yeah, it was just a really fun event. It's the first time I was kind of like, I can do whatever I want, so. To be honest, I wanted to go to London. I wanted to go to Camberwell to do my own, um, but to be upfront, I couldn't afford it in any way whatsoever. Um, do you feel your work suffered? No, I don't think so. Um, and then part of that was, um, I had a partner here, um, it wasn't like too far away from home if I wanted to nip home for anything. I got to know Manchester really well. I hated working at Tesco. 
the highlight of my day was like mildly flirting with like a 70 year old man and like <laughs> kind, of, kind of making his day. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, this is kind of sad. <laughs> I didn't really like moving back in with my parents. So it just seemed like the, not the easiest, but the next step forward that was definitely doable. So you enrolled on a master's mm -hmm. for illustration. Yep. And your first session with your tutor he had a pretty good idea from my interview anyway because I showed him the stuff from Pink Crew and all the really explicit stuff I'd been working on recently but I'd also done some um, quite confessional pieces about how my relationship was developing it was all like text based on top of photography so it's a combination of that I think and Clinton just he just had a really good idea of what I was trying to achieve and has given me the guidance of where's this going forward, you know. You know how to shock people, but is that all you're trying to do? Which which isn't all I'm trying to do. Just 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 kind of to kind of evoke a feeling from people and try to explore people's fears and desires. I think it depends where you are in the world and like who, who you're around. But I think being open and honest is, you don't have to do it to everyone you meet. I don't, I don't meet people and tell them all about my sex life within 10 minutes of meeting them. But I don't think it hurts to be open. I do get assumptions, but it's generally the kind of people, if they're assuming stuff in that way, then they're usually the kind of people I don't want to know anymore. I don't like consider myself some kind of pornography connoisseur or anything. I really like the quality of the older stuff, but I think that's just an aesthetic, like visual thing. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see how people explored the more, more controversial stuff like BDSM and kink when it was, was more repressed and it was more, people didn't really talk about it. If anything, it's kind of fashionable now. You know, there's people taking elements like in runways, there's been a lot of latex and rubber wear and that kind of thing. And I think it's just, it's kind of exploding in a way where younger audiences are more exposed to it, which is is a good and a bad thing. I just think people need to do the research. Like it, it worries me that people are more exposed to it, which yeah, it's more accepting, that's really great. Researching what you're doing or doing like practices with someone else. It's quite a psychological thing. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, it just worries me that if people are experimenting or doing it really willy-nilly, you can you can hurt someone so easily without even meaning to, not even in a physical way, just like in a mental way. I always, I always associate BDSM with drugs, drug mm -hmm. use, especially cocaine. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you're, you're going to... Um, yeah, I'm the exact opposite. Yeah.
I won't touch it with anyone that does like any drugs, unless, unless it's just like soft kind of stuff like marijuana. To be honest, I am involved in it, but I don't, I don't love everything about it. But it's definitely, I'm really interested in, you know, how people's fears and desires, you know, where do people's fetishes come from? Um, where do my own fetishes come from? <laughs> Things like power play, I'm quite submissive, but it's really kind of conflicting as a feminist woman. I'm trying to create my own life and make my own career and be really independent and not rely on any male figure. But at the same time, I just really want to be looked after and kind of told what to do all the time. but I tend to date more men than women. But yeah, I don't know. There's, there is like a longing for this male dominant figure in my life, but I don't know why. And it's kind of delving into that and that kind of conflict. I just think that's really interesting and it's really, really weird to look into, but yeah, and why do other people have the fetishes that they do? And the more I've gone on in this project, the more I've learnt about there's so many things out there. And just things like you won't even think of that people are so into. Um, I've met one person who he had a thing for um, putting insects down his foreskin. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, wow, this is a, a different one. My ex-partner, he used to make, um, I don't know how you describe it. He made really interesting motion video images with um, a webcam and some kind of thermal detection. And it was really slow movements, but it made like these really cool of projections of his body and his movements. I'd like to explore that maybe or something similar eventually but I don't know I try not to think ahead too much I'm just trying to do what I'm doing now. Um, so it was just exploring any territories that were contested or conflicting. Um, so some people did things that were politically reflective. Some people did stuff about like the sexuality, which which was the way I was going to go down with that unit. Some people did things about um, toxic masculinity. There were some really interesting ones about that. But because of recent events at the time, my parents were in a fire in September and it kind of, yeah, I don't know, it kind of it definitely just consumed my time and my life at the start of my MA. It was really hard to 
move forward from that. Did you feel you needed to, to get the thing down on paper? Is yeah, and on? at first I really wanted to avoid it. I really didn't want to do that. Mm. But the more I kind of thought about it, we had a lecture with Fiona Barber, who's written um, some really interesting papers on trauma and aftermath and the effects of that and how it how it's perceived and all that. And it really, it just really resonated with me. And then I kind of got this instantaneous idea of, you know, I've got this contested territory in my own home, in my own space that I just don't even want to be in anymore, which was the garden where the accident happened. And it was really interesting because my parents were really avid garden, like gardeners and they were renovating this big patch of land next to the really ornate garden. So it's kind of the contrast between, you know, this really nice, well-kept space and this other space that was just still burnt up from the accident and still, it was just like a bit of a wasteland. In this. Yeah, and I really, I thought about it for a while and I was like, you know, is this, is this appropriate? Do I really want to make work about this? But then I spoke to my parents about it, they were fine about it. And yeah, it was kind of cathartic, if anything. My dad still still hasn't seen the work and doesn't want to, which is fine. Um, but my mum was really intrigued by it. She was the one that was affected by the accident the most. But she also don't remember it. So for her, I guess it's kind of an insight to what everyone else experienced. Yeah, it was an interesting one and, you know, it's kind of, that's been the start of this whole confessional writing practice that I'm doing at the moment. I'd never considered myself much of a writer, but yeah, I don't know. Um, and my dad kept a diary at the time while my mum were in a coma, she was in a coma for like a month and a half. And I just found the way that he recorded day-to-day -day activity was really different to the way that I did. And that in itself was really interesting and his way of coping with the whole accident. For a long time, I thought about doing um, like a stand-up comedy routine. It was just me talking about my weird experiences with people. Um, so it's just kind of getting all that out onto paper and then seeing if I can combine that with the imagery that I'm working with. Is that another way of you clearing your mind and that you have to make space for new ideas to come in? You've got a, you've got a vent. Yeah, kind of, in a way, um, before I'd make reams and reams of images. We've seen like in some of our sketchbooks. But I felt really stuck at the moment. So I think working with writing and text in a new way is probably, I don't know. It don't feel, I am being productive, but it feels very different to what I'm used to. But I hope it works out, I think it'll, it also depends like how I present it, like in the last project about like trauma and things. The writing in that one, that legible, but that was on purpose to reflect on traumatic memory and how it's fragmented. 
so it being legible text weren't really important to you know it was good to get out the feelings I had about the, the entire accident and stuff but I didn't necessarily want people to read it it was fine if they did but it was also like very raw whereas this time I kind of want people to read it but I need to figure out how I'm going to do it It's only until recently that I'm like, yeah, I like girls, <laughs> and I'm okay about it. Like, I've always, I've always been interested, but it's always this thing of like, I'm never queer enough to be involved in like queer environments, and it's that thing of, yeah, you've, you, yeah, you've had sex with girls, but you don't really like girls, and it's like I have so many women tell me that, or men tell me that, or people telling me how. How I should present or how. And I'm at a point where I'm like, I just like whoever I like and it's fine. I haven't had relationships per se with women. I've just had like sexual interactions. Which I mean, it's off the cards. Like, I definitely have this preference towards men. Do you find the BDSM has kind of desensitised your emotions a little bit? No. I think it's done the opposite. Yeah, I think it's made me more in touch with how I'm feeling. It's made me communicate better. It's made me be a lot more upfront with people and what I want or what I don't want. And if something's not working, then I'm able to stand back and be like, okay, like, just, it's not working and just kind of accept it. Yeah, I've had quite a lot of encounters with people throughout my teenage, early 20s. Yeah, and it was mostly like a production of that bad relationship. I just wanted to get validation from somewhere, kind of anywhere. And it was, I don't know, at the time, I, ma I make a lot of jokes about casual relationships or hookups and stuff, but it's definitely not productive for me. I think it's fine for other people and... Do you find relationships can get in the way of your work? Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess more recently. That's that's because I've had like a, this whole breakup kind of thing. And I just didn't make work any work for about a month. Yeah, but in other ways, it's it like when things were going really well, it fuels a lot of my work as well. But I don't think that's because of my specific dynamic. I think, I think that's really normal. <laughs> I love to go to Berlin. I like to go back to Amsterdam. It's just that whole cliche art school kid goes to Berlin. I like to do that whole thing. Uh, it's got it's got some good design stuff there. It's got some good club scenes. It's got some good fetish scenes I've heard. I just think it'd be a really interesting place to explore. It seems to be very like prevalent right now.